What's going on, my friends? Uh, welcome to the first ever episode. That's right, the first ever episode of Illegal Contact, the Illegal Contact podcast with your hosts, Colin and Clark of Clemson. Um, we are both juniors here at Clemson University. Um, just as we said in our trailer, hopefully you got a chance to listen to it. Looking to provide some insight from a student point of view on uh, not just Clemson athletics, not just Clemson, but today's uh, events as they unfold right in front of our eyes. Um, and, and as we start off the first episode, I want to kind of get into some good news that we have seen all across the world today um, and kind of this week. Kind of a landmark in time for a, a podcast to start uh, at the end of a pandemic, hopefully, with this COVID vaccine rolling out, Con. Crazy times, man. I mean, COVID is, we all know, it's completely changed the way sporting events have been held, the way championships are played. You know, you have leagues throwing bubbles out there, all different types of crazy craziness going on. But, you know, you hope they did the best they could and rolled out this vaccine and hopefully it'll work out well and not have too much adverse long-term effects. But, you know, just got to wait and see, I guess. So, so wait, I think my, my first question for you with this vaccine is, do you think – I obviously I think the professional athletes are going to have to get it. Like all of them are going to be required to to play, I think. Do you think college athletes are going to be required to? You know, I think we're a long way away from getting down to that point. You know, they got to get it to the frontline workers first and they got to get it to the nursing homes and to the older people. And by the time it gets down to professional athletes and athletes, I mean, we might be two years down the line from this thing coming out. So, you know, I think I could see it being one of those vaccines like the MMR or the flu or you know, just one of those regular vaccines that everybody's expected to get and yeah. to go to school, you have to get it. And that's, dude, that's so crazy to think about. I think one of the things, like, I don't know, I just, I think it's so weird how athletes are so high priority. Like, have you seen their plan to get all the NBA players uh, vaccinated by the new year, pretty much like, like into the new year early? I had not seen that, no, but it uh, doesn't surprise me because, you know, at the end of the day, money talks. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, getting to a little bit of a more solemn subject, um, recording this on a Wednesday before the ACC championship game. Um, we also have Clemson basketball going on. We got off to a really, really hot start. Really, really hot start. 5-0. and um, Brad Burnell coaching a team that finally got uh, healthy to start the year. Um, brought in some transfers. Looking pretty good to start the year. Got some good quality wins. And then they took uh, the team up to Virginia Tech to play the Hokies and lost a heartbreaker, really. Uh, fell down early, couldn't really get going, and then they ended up losing by six um, after making a great comeback to push it within, I think it was two at some points with a couple minutes remaining, but just not enough to get over the hump. So they fall to five and one, but a, a good overall start to the year. Um, not the one they wanted to start with in the ACC conference play, but we'll get going again. Look, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is probably one of the better teams that we'll see take the court for a while and from a, a while ago. You know, this is going to rival the team with um, that ran to the Sweet 16 a couple years back. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to win basketball games, you can't play the first five minutes of a basketball game with two points or that's true. Whatever crazy low number it was. I mean, I mean, this is a Clemson team that should have handled this Virginia Tech team 
But, you know, at the end of the day, if the basketball's not going through the rim, you're not scoring points, you're not going to win. So, you know, great start to the season, 5-1, and one, you know, came out hot at 5-0, and oh, beat a solid Purdue team, a solid Maryland team, you know, Mississippi State, Alabama. I mean, four good non-conference wins. Hey, hey, take it easy. We got SC State in there, too. That's a good quality win. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm not going to discount them, but, you know, I mean, that's some – those are some big wins that you don't usually see – getting all of them from, you know, this Clemson program that, like, we're used to. That's very true. Just has a tough time recruiting in the ACC. You know, you have Duke, UNC, all so close within driving distance, NC State, Louisville, you know. I mean, it's hard recruiting against those powerhouses. But, you know, I think Brad Brownell's really put a good team together this year. You think they make it to the Sweet 16 this year? I mean, this early on, can you call that? I mean, you know – if we come out and score in the first half, <laughs> I could see it happening, you know. I mean, a Bear is a guy that I personally have been waiting for two years to come out and see. And, you know, he came in a transfer, had to sit out a year, and unlucky last year, tore his ACL and had to sit out another year, you know. And so it's finally glad to – we're glad to have him out on the court and finally playing for us. Uh, we got honor off of his transfer year. So, you know, he's a – He's a good force out there. Um, this chemistry, honestly, between Amir Sims and Dawes is just – I think that's going to be what drives this team to yeah, – I'll tell you who had a good game last night. The, the reason we were in the game last night was Alamir Dawes. That is very true. He, um, he was a hot hand last night for sure. What I think our number one problem right now we're going to have to fix is Amir Sims has got to stay out of foul trouble. These first – Six games, I'd say at least four. I can't – I mean, I don't I don't have them counted, but I'd say at least four. He has been out of the first half early with two fouls and had to sit the rest of the half. And credit credit to P.J. Hall and, and, and Prosper and Bear for coming in and getting the job done, especially through those first five games. Um, but Amir Sims has got to stay out that foul tally and be able to stay in the game because we need him. He's a playmaker. He's our leader, our senior. Um, and, and as you were saying, he has that chemistry – He's developed with Alamir Dawes that's, that would really be beneficial for us in the court, especially in the first half, you know, when we can't score. Yeah, that is very true. You know, I am glad you brought up P.J. Hall because, you know, local guy right down the road, Dorman, we watched him play in high school year after year and just crush our team's playoff hopes, you know, in the in the quarterfinals every year. I mean, this is a guy who has just great potential, you know, and – it's finally gl- – I'm glad to see a big body back there to help Amir Sims because when um, Elijah Thomas left, you know, it was the big question mark was, you know, Amir Sims when yeah. Elijah was here wasn't a big guy. No. So it was how are we going to fill that void? And it's it's so nice to have P.J. Hall there. Dude. Well, what's nice is how good of a mid-range shooter P.J. Hall is too. He can get to the rim. He can dominate there. He can dunk it hard. But he also he also has a nice mid-range shot. Um, and, and that's good to see out of him. Um, but taking it from the basketball team that we see a lot of promise in, we're going to go to the NBA real quick to, for one of our best sports headlines. And, Colin, oh, my word, have you seen a picture of James Harden? Let me just tell you, a couple years back, Kelvin Benjamin was one Popeye's biscuit away from being <laughs> a tight end. James Harden is one Popeye's biscuit away from looking like Charles Barkley and Shaq. That, Let me just tell you. You could not have put that better, man. He looks like he should be playing center. Now, nah, better yet – he looks like more of a linebacker than LeBron James does now. Am I wrong? A linebacker, more like defensive tackle. Oh, I mean, this guy looks like he's really hit the the ribs and the barbecue hard over quarantine. But, you know, 
speaking of him, headlines have been coming out the wazoo. You know, first he didn't want to be in uh, – he wanted to be in Houston, and then he didn't want to be in Houston, and then they brought in John Wall, and he still didn't want to be in Houston. <laughs> and then, you know, just within the past 24 hours, we find out James Harden's the next um, – Dennis Rodman, you know, they have three days off. He goes out for two days partying, and he's back for the game. I mean, this is just crazy, man. It's quite it's, – it's honestly quite the scene. Do you think he's having separation anxiety from Russell Westbrook and he's just pounding all the burgers and ribs he can find in sight? He, he very well could be. He wasn't that – With his emotions. He wasn't that fat in the bubble, right? I, I'm not mistaken. Like, when they were in the bubble, he hadn't put on that much weight, if any, at all. But, like, these past, what, month, this month that they've been off? Yeah, month and a half? Off, he's, he's beefed up, that's for sure. I mean, they – Shoot, he's not gonna be a shooting guard much more. He's gonna have to get up off the floor. That's gonna be that's gonna be tough for him. him Jump down in the paint, and get him in yeah. the post, playing some some center, looking like Zion out there. <laughs> now Zion might be skinnier than him now. That is true. And if you don't know what we're talking about, please just go look up on Twitter. Just search the words Harden, and I guarantee you the next keyword search will be fat, and you can click on that, and you you analyze what we are telling you because he is considering all circumstances one Popeyes biscuit away from being Charles Barkley. Um, any more sports headlines? Oh, wait, I got one. I know what I want to talk about. So a buddy of ours today, he sent us a a memo from Bleacher Report talking about one of the injuries that came about on his beloved Lions team. Colin? I'm, the Lions couldn't get any worse and any more abysmal. Colin, I think there's they one pulled thing. this injury out of nowhere. I think there's one thing I fear more than – Death right now, and that's a fractured jaw. Oh wait, no, not a fractured. It wasn't jaw. even his jaw. It Excuse was his me, throat. his fractured throat. Throat, yeah, fractured jaw. That's too normal, right? A throat, a fractured throat. Colin, can he swallow? Just what is? How is he eating? How is he talking? Like, what is going you know, on? That beats me. And you know, I was a bio major to start my college career off, and I got out of that. So, if any of our listeners are out there, and they can explain to us. How in the heck you fracture your throat and how you live with that? You know, feel free to feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear your hear your responses. But I mean, talk about a crazy headline. You know what the crazy? You know what the crazy part of that headline was? The fact that they said he played through it after it happened. I guess you take one one chop to the throat and you know your throat's broken. My word, who knows, man? Who right. knows? And then let's hit, let's hit one more headline before we move into our uh, beloved ACC championship game, um, big game on Saturday. But let's hit one more. headline. I think I got the perfect headline right, to transition uh, transition us back to the ACC. After years and years of waiting, the abysmal, miserable, just. Idiot words that I don't even want to say on the air. John Swafford is finally gone. Hallelujah. Finally gone after years and years of waiting. And, you know, I think this is a a beautiful new day for the ACC. You know, they pick a guy, Jim Phillips, out of Northwestern. You know, this is a guy that the Big Ten was going after hard. They, they, they wanted him, they they want want him, him really be, bad. To be the be the guy, be their commissioner, and you know the coaches in AD Association decided to go in a different direction and choose the Minnesota Vikings Vikings exec, and you know one hell of a first year to have to deal with COVID, 
And so, you know, college sports are coming up on a huge, huge just split in the path from what, what what's it going to look like NCAA-wise, you know, players can start getting paid next year. What What is that going to look like? And so it really raises a lot of questions and puts a lot of stakes for for Jim Phillips. How how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? How do you navigate that just rocky slope that is paying athletes? You know, that's a great point you make. But uh, all the time that you were saying that, all I could think about was how Clemson's not going to get screwed in basketball every year. That is very true. Very true. You know, no doubt that Swafford had it out against Clemson basketball. You know, you ask any Clemson fan that knows anything about Swafford. I mean, you ask some UNC fans, Swafford's uh, Swafford and alumni there. You ask any UNC fans. They were like, they, they knew he was bad. They knew he was skating up people. I mean, he was, he obviously – he wants to. I mean, I'm not. I'm not denying this that he needs to keep Duke and UNC the prize possessions of our basketball. But it, I mean, he also kept Clemson the prize possession of football. But you have to have some kind of continuity. You can't just single teams out. You can't freeze teams out of one sport just because. Oh well, they're good in this sport, but we don't like you anyway, so we're going to mess you up in this sport with your scheduling. I mean, you can't. That's just not fair. That's just not how it goes. And hopefully, Jim Phillips can see the light in that take what he needs to do, uh, make, make smart decisions, and not put teams in that position. You know, that's very true. And I think just the epitome of Swafford's career is this past, you know, going on a year now that coming up to a year that we've been dealing with COVID, Swafford's been radio silent, MIA, oh absolutely nothing to say. Nobody's heard from the guy. He hasn't come out and made statements about anything. I mean, this is a guy who's clearly – he said it was going to be his last year, and so he clearly is just sitting in his recliner somewhere, picking up his paycheck. I mean, what a joke, and what a way to end your horrendous career. I have a question, a little hypothetical for you. Who is worse at their job, Roger Goodell or John Swafford? That was a tough one for Colin, folks. That was a tough one, all right? You know, this is, this is a very tough one. And I got to say, at the end of the day, as crazy as some of the things that Goodell puts into place and as much of a no-fun league as he's tried to make the NFL some years, he at least tries, you know. He, <laughs> he tries to be fair. He tries to be judicial. That's true. You know, he's out there making statements when it's uncomfortable to make statements. He's out there learning and engaging with the community. And John Swafford, what is he doing? Sitting, is on sitting on his lazy boy, collecting his check, eating his TV dinners, Lord do, doing Lord knows what. I mean, this is a guy who just has been a joke for so many years now. Just glad to see he's gone. Oh, that's for sure. It cannot come soon enough that that new year. Um, 2020 has been horrible, but there's there is at least one positive. We know that's John Swafford being gone. Starting early January, the you, you know, is under new leadership. But you know, it would be the best end to John Swafford's career. You know, that would be Colin. That would be Clemson taking down the Irish and the ACC championship game this coming Saturday, December December what day is that? Is it December 19th? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. December 19th, 4 p.m. 
against uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who the Clemson Tigers went on the road um, on November 7th, went on the road to South Bend, Indiana, and and did not get the job done, but gave it all they had. Um, but with some in- or key injuries um, coming back off of the injury list, Skalski, Tyler Davis, Mike Jones, those key injury guys on defense. You got Trevor Lawrence now back on offense. Hopefully that opens up the running game for ETN. We may be able to see a different outcome in Charlotte um, instead, of, instead of the one we saw in South Bend, Indiana. What are your thoughts on the game, Colin? You know, we take it back to the game up in South Bend. And freshman quarterback DJ Ugalele, Uyunglele, excuse me, you know, he took him to overtime. He handled his business. The offense produced well. Yeah. Whether Trevor's there, DJ's there, I don't think that's the issue at all. The fact of the matter is our defense just could not stop them to save their lives, you know? I mean, obviously we were missing Skalski for the whole game, you know, and then Mike Jones was out and Tyler Davis, who's a big key factor in stopping the run, and as well as Skalski, you know, they were out. But that's the biggest factor is, you know, what Clemson defense shows up. That's that's why what, I what what Clemson defense shows up in Charlotte on Saturday mm-hmm. at four o'clock. You know that's why that's why I hit that point of the the defense having key injury uh, injured players coming back first before I even moved to Trevor because you know how, we all know how good Trevor is. We know he's going to be number one in the NFL. He's the, he's the number one prospect, most likely going to go to the Jets. All that all that good stuff. But that's not the key point here. I mean, how, how much better realistically is, is Trevor going to do than what DJ did in South Bend? I mean, he can't – DJ put up how many – over 400 yards? I mean, you can't do so much better, even as a Heisman contending quarterback, the best quarterback in the nation. I mean, having Tyler Davis and James Gossie back is going to be so key because they're not going to be able to run that clock down, I don't think, like they did. They, they busted out that big, long run to start the game, put us down the hole early, and we never were able to climb out of it. Um, but but being able to have a, have a couple of run stoppers well, is going to be very key in that game, I think. And hopefully we'll be able to get some more pressure on Ian Book now and scramble as much outside the pocket. Um, but I think another thing to look for on that defense side of the ball, Colin, is, is Levante Bentley. He didn't have a great game in Notre Dame um, in, in South Bend when he played there the first time. It was still relatively early in his career for him. Um, he's had a few more games under his belt. And I thought he really stood out against Virginia Tech on the football field last week or two weeks ago now, excuse me. Um, and I'm and I'm, I'm looking forward to see him fly around the field. Hopefully, make some plays, key plays for this defense. You know, that's a great point because you know Jake Venables. He broke his arm a couple weeks yep. back. Kind of a question mark. You know, some guys will play through a broken arm after they get it fixed. They just wrap it up and club it. Some guys don't, depending how bad the break is. So you know, even if he does play, his his reps are just going to be significantly mm-hmm. reduced. And you know, there's not much pass defending you can do with a club on one hand um so it really does it does open up the door for these backups to come up and make their name you know Skalski in Blacksburg the other weekend he only played the first couple drives of the game and he sat out you know hopefully some of that was it was cold up there and he's dealing with a sports hernia and so you know maybe some of the cold it just wasn't working well and so a four o'clock game will benefit us to where he can play the majority of the game maybe they were trying to rest him you know there's a bunch of question marks with Skalski Mm -hmm. Venables with the broken arm you know so you're gonna have to have kids like Levante Bentley Kane Patterson Mm -hmm. stepping up and filling that hole plugging the hole because if we don't 
they're just going to run all over that us. Put, yeah, that, that puts an even bigger emphasis on Levante Bentley. I mean, there's so, like you said, there's so many question marks around James Skalski. Is there even going? Is he even going to be able to play? I mean, we forced that. What, what was it? Four play drive early in the Virginia State game, something like that. Uh, and and then James Skalski had to come out, and they kind of were able to run the game. Uh, from that point on, we only had four offensive possessions in the entire first half against Virginia Tech. Just 52 offensive plays the entire game. Not Clemson numbers you're used to seeing. Um, but when they're able to control the game like that, run the clock down because they're keeping the game close, um, you're going to have to have people that can stop that run and get the ball back to Trevor and, and, and Travis and the rest of that offense sooner. Um, and I had been seeing some reports and some rumors that Justin Ross, uh, unfortunate injury to him, that he was going to be coming back to this AC championship game um, in a long shot. But Dabo in his comments this week made that seem like that was an outlandish statement. Um, and unfortunately doesn't like we're going to have him back. Uh, but hopefully we can find out that he can play football again. I mean, that would be great to know. And, and, and with a long shot of having him back for the playoffs, that would be nice because when we get up against those bigger teams, Ohio State, Alabama, I mean, we're talking like Notre Dame isn't a big team. we got to get past them first. But when we get to those teams as well, you're going to have to have somebody who can go make a play especially with Frank Ladson and God always hurt too. I mean, it's just been a depleted wide receiver core for us. And don't get me wrong, Amari Rogers has stepped up and he's made some big plays. EJ Williams, I think he's been great. I think he's going to be a great receiver when he grows up, but you're going to have to have someone to come back and make these plays for us. Cordell Powell, I mean, he's had a great year. He has had a phenomenal year, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is his last season with us. Yep. So, you know, what are, what are we looking at depth-wise here, you know? Our younger guys, not one of them yet has seemed to step up and be like, hey, I'm going to be that deep threat guy. I'm going to be that Sammy Watkins, that DeAndre Hopkins, that Mike Williams, that Sharon Peak. You know, we're missing that that deep ball. Yeah, we can throw 10-yard ten yard outs and slants. Yeah. I mean, and that's one way to win a ball game. But, you know, at the end of the day, if a defense knows they don't have to defend the deep ball, they're playing – Everything in front of them, just short routes in the run. That's, so, that's why Travis has had such a tough time. I mean, we have no no established deep threat downfield. I mean, you're correct. I mean, when you can load the boxes eight people, it's just going to be tough to find anything in the running game, especially even even when you have arguably the best running back in the in the nation. And we're finally able to find some space on the outside in some passing games or some passing downs. Um, but really going to have to find a way to open up some holes for him. The, the offensive line is going to have to find some key blocks because you know once he gets going, he's going to break a few tackles and find his way to the end zone. But without that run game, we're not going to be able to establish anything downfield either. So That is very true. That is very true. I mean, you know, when you're looking looking at this Notre Dame team, they're missing two of their starting O-linemen that played against us. So maybe that will work out in our favor to where, hey, we can – get a little bit more of a pass rush. I mean, we haven't really seen the pass rush that Clemson fans have been used to for years with mm -hmm. Vic Beasley, Kevin Dodd. I mean, I can go down the list. Austin Bryant, Cleland Farrell, you know, I could just list names and names and names. I mean, even Dexter Lawrence up the middle. You know, these are guys that, we just don't have somebody that has yet to come up and be like, this is going to be me. I'm going to be that guy, you know, and I say that. And then, of course, not forgetting the freshman, Miles Murphy, Brian Brisey. I mean, these are two raw kids. But we're used to having four D linemen that can all pass rush, all mm -hmm. stop the run, you know. 
having four guys hands in the dirt. And here recently we've been having to play three guys in the dirt yep. because of injury. And that's that's something that we need to try and get back to. And that's 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 the big hope for the defense there. The the three in the the three the three man line really did not work in South Bend. Um, especially when we had so many linebackers out as well to, to, to command that secondary behind the defensive line that was already depleted. Um, hopefully with the linebackers um, or a couple of the linebackers back and, and some more experience under Levante Bentley's belt and, and those guys, that if we have to switch to that three-man front, um, they'll be able to run that defense pretty well. But I'm thinking with Tyler Davis, we should see a four-man front most of the time um, and hopefully be able to set that, that ND run a little bit better uh, and force Ian Book to make some even tougher throws than he decided to make in South Bend. Um, but but moving on from that, I think we'll get to our, our prediction for that here in a, just a second, prediction for the game. Um, but we're going to move into – I think we should move into our championship predictions and, the, and then our playoff predictions um, and see what we can do there. Yeah, let's you do, do that. that. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, so I think we should start with – We'll start with a little bit of fun. We're going to start outside the Power Five, and we're going to go to uh, what we want to Let's do. Let's start with this American uh, championship game. You know, you got number 23, Tulsa, at number nine, Cincinnati. They were supposed to play this last weekend. Mm-hmm. The game got canceled because of COVID issues, I think, at Tulsa. So, you know, this is a, a pretty big match game. You know, you got Cincinnati, number nine, you know. They're playing for a New Year's Six game. The college football playoff committee is not going to put a power or a group of five in the playoff as bad as people want to see it, and this is the year to do it. They're just not going to at the end of the day. The money talks. You know, I, I honestly think that if there was one team that should be in the playoffs as a power five team, and I might get some hate from UCF fans on this, I think Cincinnati has been outstanding this year. I think they have been able to – not only match up to anybody you put against them, I think they have just dominated them, um, made them look like they. Cincinnati has looked like they would compete in a Power Five conference, in my opinion. I think that they would be top three in the ACC if they had played in it. That's a bold statement. I understand they'd have to beat out Notre or uh, Notre Dame, Clemson, Miami, and North Carolina. I think they'd find a way. You know, Cincinnati has been one of those teams where they haven't just been good this year. It's 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 not yeah. a, it's not one of those. Hey, we're good this year because it's quarantine year, it's COVID year, crazy season. Mm-hmm. We're good this year. I mean, Cincinnati has been good for what the past seven, eight years. You know, I mean, week in, week out, they can win the big games. They can also lose the big games. But I mean, they can win the big games. They've proven it over and over and over again. Yep. But you know, I think it's going to be a great matchup. You know, it's in Cincinnati, eight o'clock going to be cold I think that's going to prove best for Cincinnati they're used to it they don't have to travel I mean there's still a lot of question marks the current line has Cincinnati here at 14 and a half um point favorites here and I I mean I'm gonna have to agree with that I I would probably take Cincinnati if I had to Cincinnati has just been so dominant all year I think they're going to make it a pretty easy game for themselves just kind of uh go up and down the field stop Tulsa when they need to um give them no big plays take care of business and move into that New Year's Six Bowl that we expect to see them in. You know, at the end of the day, before the start of the season, I said it, the healthiest teams are going to be the teams that win. Tulsa's coming off of COVID. You know, even the guys that have come back off that COVID list, they've been out for two weeks. So, you know, I'm going to take Cincinnati as well in this one. Um, So moving on from there, we got another group of five. You know, kind of a local favorite, as I as I would 
phrase it. We got the Sun Belt uh, Championship game. You've got number 19, Louisiana, at number 12, Coastal Carolina. Can we get a little, a, a little resume Cajuns? A little resume Cajuns, baby. Sadly, though, I am not going to be re- rooting for the resume Cajuns in this game, um, as, as Colin alluded to. We got a little local favorite. We're loving, we love to see that Coastal Carolina is doing well. Um, a little little fun, poking, poking fun at the Gamecocks. We got the second-best team in, in Coastal Carolina here in South Carolina. They are definitely the second-best team this year. Um, sorry, Gamecocks, but that's just how it is. 11-0 talks, beat BYU, had a great game against them, were able to stuff them. Now they come up against the Louisiana Lafayette, Raysian Cajuns, but we like to say Rajun Cajuns. Um, and Coastal Carolina comes in as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, obviously, two pretty closely matched teams here. Going to be a, a good one to watch um, on, on Saturday um, at 3.30. But, but what are you expecting here, Colin? You know – as much as I want to root for for my Louisiana Lafayette Rajune Cajuns, I've got to stick with the hometown hero, Coastal Carolina. You know, they're not, it's not going to be a blowout. They're just not a blowout team. They're going to play them close. They're going to get the job done, and they're going to come away with an undefeated season down in Conway, South Carolina. All right, Colin. So what's next on the slate for us? Obviously, we saw Coastal going to the uh, the, the going on to win that Sun Belt Championship game. What we got next in our predictions? You know, let's just talk about the conference that has played the least amount of games since we just went from talking about the team that has played the most amount of games in the Pac-12. It was supposed to be Washington at USC in L.A. And Washington had some COVID issues, you know. Um, So the Pac-12 said, well, that's tough for you, so you're out of here. Oregon, you're in. So now we've got Oregon at USC. which, you know, I think will be an interesting game at the end of the day. I'm going to call it for USC. Oregon's just – they shouldn't even be there in the first place. If you want me to be honest, this this is an absolute joke. I mean, what what an abysmal, abysmal conference this is at this point. I mean, obviously, we all wanted to have the most amount of games played. I think that the Pac-12 just made an absolutely, utterly horrible decision to postpone their season so far, take forever to make a decision. And then on top of that, they can't even have their best two teams in because unfortunately COVID has taken over at the Washington football program. So we can't even see the two best teams face off from the from this conference. And that kind of speaks to how this how this year has gone for this conference overall. Um, but I'll keep it short and sweet. Yeah, I think USC is going to come out on top on this one. Um, I really don't want to see a – three and two Oregon team win their conference. And I don't like USC either, but I just don't think the fighting ducks should be the Pac-12 they champions. They shouldn't even be there, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, this is a conference that has had teams play three games this season. Three games. That's not even a se- – that's a spring season. That's that's what we should have in the spring. There should be spring a spring season. You play three games. You call it a wrap instead of spring games that, you know – a thousand people show up to, ten thousand people show up to. Yep. You know, that's basically what the Pac 12's done this year. I mean, just a joke, an absolute joke. They might as well not have even played the season. You know what? You know what? You know what? Like, flusters me a little bit, though, Colin. USC and Ohio State, and I'll get there in a second to Ohio State, I know, had the same record right now. And if USC wins this game and Ohio State wins their championship game, both are 6 and 0. Could you explain to me? Uh, we, we shouldn't get into this right now, but could you explain to me how? USC is any less deserving than Ohio State to be in the playoffs? Or should we, should we not start this yet? Look, 
at the end of the day, the money talks. The brand talks is what you're the talking. Brand talks. We'll get into this in a second, but that's what I'm going to leave it at. You know, perfect segue into let's go to the next conference that plays the second least amount of games from uh, in front of the Pac-12. We've got the Big Ten. You know, you've got a conference that came out the beginning of the season said six game minimum. You don't get it. That's too bad. We're not changing our minds. We're not going back to look at it later in the season. And, you know, you've got this Ohio State team that comes out, drops a couple games because of COVID, you know, a questionable Michigan drop there, you know, a little slimy move there by Jim Harbaugh. A little, a little, a little bit, a little bit. We'll let that slide, you know, because I'm all for the, the, hate, the hate train for Ohio State. But Ohio State finishes the season 5-0, and and guess what the Big Ten does? Big surprise to everybody in the world. Oh, Ohio State said now we're going to get rid of the game requirement. You know, this is a conference that has come out and said, we're not changing it no matter what. And then they don't get the result they want. And so they say, oh, I didn't get the le- the result I wanted. I'm going to change it to get the result I wanted. Talk about a lack of integrity right now. You know, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. And, of course, I'm on the Ohio State hate train as well um, with you there, Colin. But to be fair to the Buckeyes, they did not – they were not the reason for their cancellations. Um, and, and I do think they probably deserve to be in that, that, that Big Ten championship game. Um, they beat everybody that was presented to them. And it really wasn't their fault that they didn't reach that threshold. But, but as you said, the Big Ten did go back on the word, had to protect the brand. Uh, understandable. You know, I wouldn't have expected less. It is what was expected. We 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 do expect to see Ohio State win this game. I think I can speak for Colin there too. I mean, it shouldn't be Ohio State by a thousand. Yes, they're gonna they're gonna take this Northwestern team that appeared to struggle two weeks ago, you know, and they're just gonna run it up on them to make their best case as a six and O team for in the playoffs. We can only hope that Northwestern pulls something out of the hat. Yeah, if we're lucky, yeah, if we're lucky, Ohio State will fall to Northwestern. You know. A, a program that has seen Hunter Johnson there. Did it work out well for him, you know? Former Clemson guy. Former Clemson quarter, backup quarterback. But, you know, we'll see. We all know what's going to happen. Ohio State's going to win. But, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. So, moving on to that, you know, let's go to to the SEC championship. We'll save the Clemson game for last since we are a Clemson podcast. You know, We've got Alabama, number one, versus Florida, number seven. Only dropped one spot after losing oh, LSU. Don't even get me started. We won't even go down that 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 road. You know, it's it's in Atlanta, 8 o'clock. It's usually when you see the ACC championship game played, but they switched it this year. You know, I think, I, I think Alabama's going to just – be Alabama, handle business, go in. It's a business trip. They'll get there. They'll get out. End of the day, problem solved. Florida won't give them any hiccups. Colin, you know what my biggest problem with having Florida at number seven still is? You know what my biggest problem with that is? Is the fact that Alabama already is in the playoffs. Like, they're, they have been so good. They have the Heisman winner, in my opinion, Devonta Smith, the best player in the country so far this year. They have a fantastic uh, quarterback. They have a fantastic defense. They're looking great. They're just about to get Jalen Waddle back, which is too scary. They're already in the playoffs. 
it's like the committee kept Florida at number seven just to say that Alabama has another quality win. What kind of team who loses to a three and five team at home, at home, a three and five LSU team gets to two losses because their player threw a shoe halfway across the field? What kind of team stays at number seven? I mean, this is like Alabama just trying to get another quality win. Like, what's going on? That LSU team isn't even the same team from last year. No, they're horrible. They have like 21 of 22 starters from last year gone. It's ridiculous. But they've opted out because of COVID, you know? I mean, absolute joke by the committee. Just – Unreal. Um, that 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 one really made me mad. I mean, I'm mad Coastal's not in the top ten. I'm mad that Cincinnati's now a little bit higher. But Florida only dropping one spot, as well as like relatively even staying in the top ten, is just a joke after losing at home to an unranked team who is three and five, which is outrageous. But anyways, getting back to the game, I think Alabama might actually drop a hundred on them. I think they're going to try to. I don't think they're going to stop scoring. I sincerely think Alabama wants to send a message to everybody. I think Devonta Smith is going to run past every single cornerback on that Florida defense because they can't stop anybody. You know what I think a good play here is? The over. I think the over is the best play you can take. You also probably should take Alabama minus 17 because they're going to win by 100. But let's see if Florida, you know, pulls some magic out of nowhere and keeps it close. See what Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask have to have to offer when they leave the swamp and head up to Atlanta. You think you think the boy Marco Wilson is going to be playing, or you think that the Florida is going to bench him after throwing that shoe and costing the playoff hoops? You know they they might they might have him sit out for the first drive, but you know at the end of the day, it is an SEC championship game. You know, all hands on deck. You got to have everybody at their sharpest. I mean, if some chance Florida pulls this off and beats Alabama. That's throwing a wrench in the whole thing. I think know? we need to because... get into the hypothetical when we move into our playoff discussion. I think we need to talk about that. All right, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's move on from the SEC championship real quick. Let's go to the Pac-12 championship game, and then we'll hit the ACC, and then we'll move on to our playoff predictions. So Pac-12 game, we've got number 10 Oklahoma versus number 6 Iowa State, Arlington, Texas, high noon, you know, should be – an interesting game. If it's anything like the Pac-12, it'll be a high-scoring game. Should be fun to watch. Um, you know, I think I'm just going to go ahead. Not much evaluating here. This Oklahoma team seems lost without a quarterback. You know, Spencer Rattler came out and just kind of flopped and disappointed and didn't do what everybody expected. I'm going to go ahead and take Ohio State Ohio State here. Higher-ranked Iowa team. State. Iowa State, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. We'll take the higher-ranked team, go with Iowa State. You know, this is a really tough one because nobody ever knows what's going to happen in the Big Ten. Oklahoma looks like the worst team you've ever seen, and we've seen out of them in 10 years um, for, for a couple games there. And then all of a sudden they go on a winning streak and look like the better team, best team in the Big 12 again. Um, so who do I choose here? I honestly have no idea. I think Iowa State has a little bit more to play for if they want any chance of making the playoffs. They need some chaos at the top, obviously, but I think if Iowa State – uh, can pull this one out, even as underdogs, five-point underdogs that they're at right now. Uh, I think Iowa State can pull this one out, um, even with that hot streak Oklahoma's been playing at. Um, and I think Iowa State wants it a little bit more. If Iowa State can pull this one out and they see a little chaos at the top, they might be able to sneak into that number four spot, but you never know. Um, but I'm going to take Iowa State here as well, get a little upset action going on early in the day. 
All right, well, let's finally talk about the game that we've all been waiting to hear the predictions for. You know, I'm going to go ahead. We talked about it earlier. We talked about the keys of the game, what needed to happen from Clemson to see him win. You know, 4 o'clock in Charlotte, North Carolina, sun's going down. I'm going to use this opportunity and make my hot my hot, hot topic oh, a prediction. We're already going there. Weekend, oh, Clemson by 17. Oh, to Notre Dame. No, Ooh. I'm I'm calling it now. This Clemson defense is going to step it up. They're going to bring it. Clemson's going to knock off Notre Dame, take our rightful seat at number two. We still should have be should be number one. You know, injury plagued team. Hopefully, it seems like everybody's back healthy pretty much. It's going to come back healthy. I'm taking Clemson 17 points over Notre Dame. Wow. That is – you know, we were going to get into hot topics later. Um, but but Colin has just gone ahead and lit the mic on fire right there with that take. Um, but something we would all love to see. I'm actually going to go ahead. Uh, obviously, I'm picking Clemson too. Got to love, gotta love the underdog at this point. Obviously, we're not the underdog in the points at, at a 10-point favorite here. Uh, but I still think we have a little bit more of a chip on our shoulder. Um, I think that we, we want to get that sixth agency championship, secure our spot in the playoffs. I think Notre Dame probably knows they're already in, even if they lose in a close game. I think Clemson's going to find a way to pull this one out. I think they win by six or seven, not 17. But, hey, if they want to make it a 17-point game and go ahead and kick Notre Dame out of the playoffs, that'd be great too. make our job a little bit easier. We might not have to see him for a third time in the natty. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Clemson in a closer game. Uh, I'm going to say 34-27, 34-28. I like that score right there. Um, I think the defense is going to be a little shaky to start out. I think then – but but Venables, when they've been shaky to start out this year, he's found a way in that – I don't know what he says at halftime, but he's found a way to come out in the second half and just get some really, really good stops. I think Clemson's going to come out fire in the second half, get up to like a two-score lead, and then it's just going to be too big of a uh, – to overcome for the, the fighting Irish. So hopefully that's what takes place uh, at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern in Charlotte, North Carolina this Saturday. All right, well, let's move on. You know, we've covered our championship predictions. Let's get a little bit of predictions about the playoffs, you know. We'll have a little bit of fun. Let's have a little fun, get a little crazy, close out the show on some just wild times. Obviously, we've got Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2, Clemson 3, and then you've got Ohio State four. So that's pretty much squared away. You know, you've got you've got Iowa State at six. You got what Texas A and M at five. They're not even playing in their conference championship game. Mm-hmm. Florida at seven. You know, a lot could happen because you have a lot of these good ranked matchups in these championship games. You've got a fourteen versus four, a three versus two, a one versus seven. Yep. You know, me personally, I think Alabama handles business. We'll keep them at one. I think Clemson beats Notre Dame. That'll bump us up to two. Ohio State's going to win. The playoff committee is going to put them in because money talks. They'll be three, and Notre Dame will be four because everybody knows that Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the country, and they have the brand. They have the money. That That is the that is a standard playoff prediction. I think it's probably the right one. Um Unfortunately, I don't see a whole lot of shakeup coming in to this playoff um, than what we have. We've had the same four teams since they announced the first playoff rankings. I think they stay probably the same, maybe with a little shuffle after Clemson beats Notre Dame on Saturday. Um, but it would be it'd be good to see Notre Dame 
their first playoff. Is that correct? First playoff since the playoff era? Well, no, there was the one when we raked them over the coals oh, in the cotton. Oh, yeah, ball. that was – sorry, sorry. That wasn't even a playoff appearance. It felt like we just demolished mm-hmm. them in, in uh, Arlington in the cotton ball there. But maybe they'll be able to make a little bit more noise uh, at the four spot this time. But we'll see when that when that day comes. Um, but let's have a little bit of fun. Let's tell you about this, Colin. What do you think happens – who do you think gets in if Notre Dame beats Clemson, Notre Dame beats us? Who do you think they slide in at that four spot? Because Ohio State would probably move up to three. Uh, yeah, Ohio State would probably move up to three. You know, I think they just kick everybody up. Clemson will fall down a couple spots. And, you know, we might switch places with A&M, and A&M will go up. You think A&M? Up, up in the four, and we'll go down. So you think a one-loss A&M who didn't play in their conference championship makes it in over, say, a two-loss conference champion in Iowa State? You know – They've come out. We've seen it before. The precedent is there to where the conference championship doesn't really matter. You know. That's true. So, at the end of the day, you look at the teams that the Big 12 has played and you look at a two-loss conference championship team versus a one-loss A&M. You know, I think they're going to stick with their homeboys, the SEC. They're going to love it. They're going to ride it. And A&M would go in, you know. I agree. All right, let's have one. Let's do one more hypothetical here. I think this one's the most interesting one. What happens if Florida does the the and that, like the, the crazy, just goes crazy and, and finds a way to beat Alabama? What happens? You tell me. You think? And, and let's, let's also assume that Clemson beats Notre Dame here, just just for just for that sake. You know, we've had a couple years with the College Football Playoff Committee. As much as I want to say Alabama would be out, it'd be some craziness. Yeah. I think all it does is, you know, we move up, Notre Dame moves up, Ohio State moves up. I mean, you know, it's gonna be us, Notre Dame, Ohio State. And I think Alabama just goes from one to four. I don't think I don't think it changes much in the eyes of the committee from what we've seen from Alabama this year. But, you know, at the end of the day, who knows what could happen? You know, the committee might f- come out this year and be like, you know what? We're going to throw Coastal in there if, if some craziness happens oh, on, that'd, that'd on championship awesome. weekend. I doubt it, but you never know. I mean, as as much as I want to play, like, you know, let's get crazy. This would be awesome if it happened. I think the committee is going to be the committee. We've known it to be. Alabama drops the four if they lose. I think, I think the sad thing is, is there so much potential to put other teams in the playoff that haven't been there yet um, if, if, if chaos ensues? But I think Alabama still makes it if they lose. I think Notre Dame probably still makes it if they keep it close and they lose. I think the only guaranteed out if they lose – well, I think Clemson's out if they lose, obviously. I, I don't even know if Ohio State falls out if they lose. Do you think they fall out with only five wins? See, I think I think if, as long as they win, they're in. But if they lose, that's where their lack of games will come back to hurt them. But even at that, they'd probably still just put in the Big Twelve championship winner, and the and then if if, if say Clemson and Ohio State lose, I think they put in Texas A and M and Iowa State. And I mean, while that's great for the Big Twelve getting that team in, I don't really know if Texas A and M deserves to be there over Coastal Carolina. From my honest answer, I mean, I've seen Coastal do everything. I've seen Cincinnati do everything, but. Yeah, that's just yeah. how it's going to be with that SEC name uh, and, and that brand they have established, and they deserve it. But uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be as much chaos as 
as one can hope for, um, especially especially when we all want to see Coastal or, or Cincinnati get in there. You know, th- this isn't exactly playoffs, but let's talk crazy for a second. Let's say Clemson does lose to Notre Dame. Coastal handles business with Louisiana. I would love to see a Clemson versus Coastal New Year's Six Bowl game. I would love to see it. We go wherever we're going, hang up 70 on Coastal, <laughs> call it a night, to get our free championship ring, our free bowl game I would, ring. You know what? You know what? If there was one game that I would want Clemson to win, obviously, but if there was one game I would not be mad if Clemson ended up losing, it would be against Coastal Carolina. Because if I could say that the Coastal Carolina shots clears were the best team in South Carolina, that well, would be absolutely insane. It would be even more funny to say Coastal's beat us more recently than South Carolina's beat us. That is also true. That is also true. Well, you mean, I know, you know, the last time the Coastal played South Carolina, they also lost. So that is very true. I guess this, I guess this has been inevitable for the past few years. Coastal's just always been the second best team, but you know yeah, how it is. It is what it is. But, you know, I think, I think that's all we've got for today. Thank you guys for listening and come back next week for more. Appreciate y'all listening. We hope y'all enjoyed this episode of the Illegal Contact Podcast. Next week, we'll have our reaction to the ACC Championship game and our reaction to the college football playoff rankings and where everything stands. We'll also hit on Clemson basketball again, and we'll find you with some – hopefully we'll find some more good news coming out of all this COVID and, and the vaccine news and, and see what we can do from there. So thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week.